Section 3 of The History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Draconis. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 2. Chapter 3. Greece. Mythology, Solonian legislation, Dicteria, Pisistratidae, Lycurgus, and Sparta, laws on prostitution, case of Phryne, classes of prostitutes, Pornican Telos, dress, hair of prostitutes, the Dicteriades of Athens, abode and manners, appearance of Dicteria, laws regulating Dicteria, schools of prostitution, loose prostitutes, old prostitutes, ultrides, or flute players, origin, how hired, performances, anecdote of Arcadians, price of flute players, festival of Venus Periboa, Venus Calipigi, lesbian love, Lamia, Hiteri, social standing, Venus and her temples, charms of Hiteri, Thargelia, Aspasia, Hipparchia, Bacchus, Guathena, and Guathenian, Lace, Phryne, Phithionese, Glycera, Leontium, Other Hiteri, Biographers of Prostitutes, Philtres. The Greek mythology supposes obviously a relaxed state of public morals. What period in the history of the nation it may be assumed to reflect is, however, by no means certain. It is not reasonable to suppose that the Homeric poems were composed for immodest audiences, and it would perhaps be fairer to lay the blame of the mythological indecencies at the door of the age which polished and improved upon them, rather than of that which is entitled to the credit of their conception in the rough. Our first reliable information regarding the morals of the Greek women, passing over for the present the legislation ascribed to Lycurgus, is found in the ordinances of Solon. Draco is supposed to have affixed the penalty of death indiscriminately to rape, seduction, and adultery. It has been conjectured that the safety valve used at the time, ordinary prostitution being unknown, was a system of religious prostitution in the temples, borrowed from an analogous to the plan already described. This, however, is mere conjecture. Solon, while softening the rigors of the draconian code, by law formally established houses of prostitution at Athens and filled them with female slaves. They were called dicteria, and the female tenants, dicteriades bought with the public money, and bound by law to satisfy the demands of all who visited them. They were in fact public servants, and their wretched gains were a legitimate source of revenue to the state. Prostitution became a state monopoly, and so profitable that, even in Solon's lifetime, a superb temple dedicated to Venus the courtesan was built out of the funds accruing from this source. The fee charged, however, appears to have been small. In Solon's time, the deteriorates were kept widely apart from the Athenian women of repute. They were not allowed to mix in religious ceremonies or to enter the temples. When they appeared in the streets, they were obliged to wear a particular costume as a badge of infamy. They forfeited what rights of citizenship they may have possessed in virtue of their birth. A procurer or procuress who had been instrumental in introducing a freeborn Athenian girl to the dictarian incurred the penalty of death. Nor was the law content with branding with infamy, prostitutes, and their accomplices alone. Their children were bastards, that is to say, they could not inherit property, they could not associate with other youths, they could not acquire the right of citizenship, 
without performing some signal act of bravery they could not address the people in the public assemblies finally to complete their ignominy they were exempt from the sacred duty of maintaining their parents in old age these regulations for which solon obtained the praise of athenian philosophers were not long maintained in force tradition imputed to the profligacy of the pisistatridae a relaxation of the laws concerning prostitutes it was believed that the sons of pisistratus not only gave the dictariades the freedom of the city but allotted them seats at banquets beside the most respectable matrons and on certain days each year turned them into their father's beautiful gardens and let loose upon them the whole petulance of the athenian youth the law against procuresses was modified a fine being substituted for death about the same time says the scandalous greek chronicle the death penalty for adultery was also commuted for scourging still notwithstanding this falling off it would appear that athens was more moral than her neighbors corinth and sparta the former then the most flourishing seaport of greece was filled with a very low class of prostitutes no laws regulated the subject any female who chose could open house for the accommodation of travellers and seamen and though corinth was yet far from the proverbial celebrity it afterward obtained from its prostitutes there is no doubt they bore a fearful proportion to the aggregate population of the port at sparta the case was different in the system of legislation which bears the name of lycurgus the individual was sacrificed to the state the female to the male women were educated for the sole purpose of bearing robust children virgins were allowed to wrestle publicly with men girls were habited in a robe open at the skirts which only partially concealed the person in walking whence the spartan women acquired an uncomplimentary name a spartan husband was authorized to lend his wife to any handsome man for the purpose of begetting children that these laws the skilfully contrived appeals to the sensual appetites and the constant spectacle of nude charms must have led to a general profligacy among the female sex is quite obvious aristotle affirms positively that spartan women openly committed the grossest acts of debauchery hence it may be inferred that prostitutes by profession were unnecessary at sparta at all events until a late period of its history after the persian wars the subject of athenian prostitution is revealed in a clearer light as a reaction from the looseness of the age of the pisistratidae the Solonian laws were reaffirmed and their severity heightened it has been imagined from certain obscure passages in greek authors that the courtesans formed several corporations each of which was responsible for the acts of all its members they were liable to vexatious prosecutions for such acts as inciting men to commit crime ruining thoughtless youths fermenting treason against the state or committing impiety against such charges it was rarely possible to establish a sound defence if the accuser was positive the aeropagus notoriously biased against courtesans unhesitatingly condemned the culprit to death or imposed on her corporation a heavy fine in this way says an old author the state frequently contrived to get back from these women the money they obtained from their lovers before the famous case of Phryne, they were wholly at the mercy of their profligate associates a man only needed to threaten an accusation of impiety or the like to obtain a receipt in full Phryne, so long the favorite of the athenians was thus accused of various vague offences by a common informer named eutheus her friend bacchus fortunately persuaded hyperides the orator to undertake her case and he softened the judges by exhibiting her marvellous beauty in a moment of affected passion henceforth says the hetera bacchus to myrhina 
our profits are secured by law at this time that is to say at the height of athenian prosperity there were four classes of women who led dissolute lives in athens the highest in rank and repute were the hetairi or kept women who lived in the best part of the city and exercised no small influence over the manners and even the politics of the state next came the ultrides or flute players who were dancers as well they were usually foreigners bearing some resemblance to the opera dancers of the last century and they combined the most unblushing debauchery with their special calling the lowest class of prostitutes were the dictariades already mentioned they were originally bound to reside at the piraeus the seaport of athens some four miles from the city and were forbidden to walk out by day or to offend the eyes of the public by open indecency lastly came the concubines who were slaves owned by rich men with the knowledge and consent of their wives serving equally the passions of their master and the caprices of their mistress these all paid a tax to the state called pornicantilos which was farmed out to speculators who levied it with proverbial harshness upon the unfortunate women in the time of pericles the revenue from this source was large all classes too wore garments of many colors the law originally specified flowered robes as the costume of courtesans but this leading to difficulties a farther enactment prohibited prostitutes from wearing precious stuffs such as scarlet or purple or jewels thenceforth the custom which appears to have been general throughout the greek cities and colonies prescribed cheap robes with flowers or stripes of many colors embroidered or painted on them to this a part of the women added garlands of roses it was lawful in some cities for courtesans to wear light transparent garments but at sparta as may be imagined the reverse was the rule semi-nudity being the badge of virtuous women perhaps the most singular of the marks by which a greek courtesan was known was her hair it is said that no law prescribed the habit if so it must have been a sort of esprit de corps which led all courtesans to dye their hair of a flaxen or blonde color allusions to this custom abound in the light literature of greece frequently a flaxen wig was substituted for the dyed locks at a very late period in the history of greece modest women followed the fashion of sporting golden hair this forms one of the subjects of reprimand addressed to the women of greece by the early christian preachers the dictariades or common prostitutes of athens this class approaches more nearly than any other to the prostitutes of our day the main difference being that the former were bound by law to prostitute themselves when required to do so on the payment of the fixed sum and that they were not allowed to leave the state their home as mentioned already was properly at the port of Piraeus. an open square in front of the citadel was their usual haunt it was surrounded with booths where petty trade or gambling was carried on by day at nightfall the prostitutes swarmed into the square some were noisy and obscene others quiet and armed with affected modesty when a man passed on his way from the port to the city the troop assailed him if he resisted coarse abuse was lavished on him if he yielded there was the temple of venus the courtesan close by and there was the wall of themistocles under the friendly shelter of either of which the bargain could be consummated were the customer nice the great dictarian was not far distant and a score or more of smaller rivals were even nearer at hand as a well-known sign was there to testify 
the dicteria were under the control of the municipal police the door was open night and day a bright curtain protecting the inmates from the eye of the passer-by and in the better class of establishments a fierce dog chained in the vestibule served as sentinel at the curtain sat an old woman often a thessalian and a pretended witch who received the money before admitting visitors originally the fee was an abolus about three cents but this attempt to regulate the value of a variable merchandise was soon abandoned within at night the sounds of music revelry and dancing might be constantly heard the visitor was not kept in suspense the curtain passed he was in full view of the dicteriades standing sitting or lying about the room some engaged in smoothing their blond hair some in conversation some anointing themselves with perfumery the legal principle with regard to the dicteriades appears to have been that they should conceal nothing no doubt in contrast to the irregular prostitutes of whom something will be said presently there was no rule however forbidding the wearing of garments in the dictarian but the common practice appears to have been to dispense with them or to wear a light scarf thrown over the person this custom was observed by day as well as by night and a visitor has described the girls in a large dictarian as standing in a row in broad daylight without any robes or covering it seems that in later times any speculator had a right to set up a dictarian on paying the tax to the state an athenian forfeited his right of citizenship by so doing but as a popular establishment was very lucrative avaracious men frequently embarked in the business under an assumed name comic writers have lashed these wretches severely on paying the tax to the state regularly the pornobosian or master of the house acquired certain rights the dictarian was an inviolable asylum no husband being allowed to pursue his wife or the wife her husband or the creditor his debtor within its walls public decency requires says demosthenes that men shall not be exposed in house of prostitution it was not however considered wholly shameful to frequent such places there appear to have been attached to these dictaria schools of prostitution where young women were initiated into the most disgusting practices by females who had themselves acquired them in the same manner alexis vigorously describes the frauds taught in these places while there is a shocking significance in an expression of athenius you will be well satisfied with the performance of the women in the dictaria besides these regular dictariades there were at athens as there have been in every large city a number of women who exercised the calling of prostitutes without properly belonging to any of the recognized classes they were sometimes called free dictariades sometimes she-wolves and also cheap hetairi some were native athenians who had been seduced and abandoned and who led by stings of conscience and idleness to pursue their career had still an invincible repugnance to adopt the flowered robe and yellow hair of the regular courtesan they roamed the piraeus and even the streets of athens after dark seeking out a miserable subsistence by the hardest of trades and haunting the dark recesses of old houses or the shade of trees others again were old hetairi whose charms had faded and who sought a scanty subsistence where they were not known and shrank from encountering the eye of a lover where the friendly shade of night would not hide the ravages of time others were the servants of hotels and taverns who were always expected to serve the caprices of visitors all of these led a most miserable life now and then we hear of one or two of them meeting a rich and inexperienced traveller 
after which the heroine of the exploit naturally ascended to the rank of hetaria but in general their customers were the lowest of the port people sailors fishermen farm servants their price was a meal a fish a handful of fruit or a bottle of wine one poor creature who belonged to no class in particular but acquired some celebrity by being kept by the orator ethatocles was named the drachma because she offered her favors to the public generally for two drachmas about thirty-five cents perhaps the most curious fact in reference to these prostitutes is the singular predominance of old women among them it appears to have been adopted as an invariable rule for this sort of courtesans to paint their faces with a thick ointment and it is even said that the great painters of greece did not disdain to beguile their leisure hours by thus improving upon nature of course under this disguise it was impossible to distinguish a young face from an old one an aged prostitute thus bedizened would place herself at an open window with a sprig of myrtle in her hand with which she would beckon to people in the street when a customer was found a servant would open the door and conduct him in silence to the chamber of her mistress before entering he paid the sum demanded when he found himself in a room lighted only by a feeble glimmer passing through the curtain which now hung down over the window in such a twilight the most venerable old women could not be distinguished from a venus the ultrides or flute players female flute players were a common accompaniment to an athenian banquet the flute which in modern times is played by men was rarely seen in male hands in greece though the fable ascribed its invention to the god pan and its development to the mythical king midas it was monopolized at a very early period by women who consoled themselves for the ravages it wrought in their beauty by the power of fascination it imparted among a people intensely musical flute playing soon became an essential rite in the service of certain deities ceres was invariably worshipped to the sound of the flute and when the athenians had once tried the experiment of listening to flute players after dinner they never would dine in company without them thebes appears to have been the native city of the earliest famous flute players but before long the superior beauty of the asiatic girls ionians and phrygians drove their theban rivals out of the field dancing was combined with flute playing and in this art the asiatics bore the palm from the world during the golden days of greece numbers of beautiful girls were every year imported into athens from miletus and the other ionic ports in asia minor just as in more modern times a similar trade was carried on between trebizond and constantinople an athenian hired his flute players as a modern european noble hires his band they charged so much for their musical performances reserving the right of accepting presents in the course of the evening some were singers as well as performers at each course a new air was played increasing in tenderness and expression as the wine circulated it is stated that the sounds of a good flute concert excited people to such a state of frenzy that they would take off their rings and jeweled ornaments to throw them to the performers those who have witnessed a triumphant operatic soiree can readily believe the statement but the fair artists did not wholly rely on their music for their success the performer danced while she played accompanying every note with a harmonious movement of the body there is no doubt 
these dances were in the highest degree immoral and lascivious athenius tells a story of an embassy from arcadia waiting upon king antigonus and being invited to dinner after the hunger of the venerable guests was appeased phrygian flute-players were introduced they were draped in semi-transparent veils arranged with much coquetry at the given signal they began to play and dance balancing themselves alternately on each foot and gradually increasing the rapidity of their movements as the performance went on the dancers uncovered their heads then their busts lastly they drew the veils aside altogether and stood before the wondering ambassadors with only a short tunic around the loins in this state they danced so indecently that the aged arcadians excited beyond control forgot where they were and rushed upon them the king laughed the courtiers were shocked at such ill-breeding but the dancers discharged the sacred duty of hospitality a flute-player who had achieved a success of this kind was enabled to conclude a lucrative bargain for other performances we find allusions to fees as high as two talents say twenty-five hundred and fifty pieces of gold though these were evidently unusual charges many of the most fashionable flute-players were slaves who had been brought to greece by speculators they were commonly sold by auction at the dinner-table when their owner judged that the enthusiasm of the guests had attained the highest point an anecdote is told of one of the most esteemed names in greek philosophy in reference to this strange custom he was dining with a party of young men when a youthful flute-player was introduced she crept to the philosopher's feet and seemed to shelter herself from insult under the shadow of his venerable beard but he a disciple of zeno spurned her and burst forth into a strain of moralizing piqued by the affront the girl rose and played and danced with inimitable grace and prurency at the close of the performance her owner put her up to auction and one of the first bidders was the philosopher she was adjudged to another however and the white-haired sage so far forgot his principles as to engage in a fierce conflict with the victor for the possession of the prize hand-to-hand -hand battles on these occasions were common in the best society at athens and a flute-player in fashion made a boast of the riots she had caused of the fortunes realized by successful artists in this line an idea may be formed from the gorgeous presents made to the delphian oracle by flute-players and from the fact that the finest houses at alexandria were inscribed with the names of famous greek ultrides as might be inferred from the character of their dances the ultrides were capable of every infamy constantly breathing an atmosphere of debauchery and accustomed to the daily spectacle of nudities they naturally attained a pitch of amorous exaltation of which we at the present day can hardly form an idea they kept a cherished festival in honour of venus parabasia which was originally established by Sipselos of corneth at that ceremony all the great flute-players of greece assembled to celebrate their calling men were not usually allowed to be present a regulation prompted perhaps by modesty as the judgment of paris was renewed at the festival and prizes were awarded for every description of beauty the ceremony was often mentioned as the calipagian games and a sketch of a scene which took place at one of these reunions contained in a letter from a famous flute-player justifies the appellation the banquet lasted from dark till dawn with wines perfumes delicate viands songs and music an after scene was a dispute between two of the guests as to their respective beauty a trial was demanded by the company and a long and graphic account is given of the exhibition but modern tastes will not allow us to transcribe the details a knowledge of these scandalous scenes it may be briefly observed would be worse than useless 
were it not that they illustrate the life of greek courtesans and being performed under the sanction of religion and law they throw no inconsiderable light on the real character of greek society their value may be best apprehended by trying to realize what the effect would be if similar scenes occurred annually in some public edifice in our large cities under the auspices of the police with the approval of the clergy and with the full knowledge of the best female society it has been suggested that these festivals were originated by or gave rise to those enormous aberrations of the greek female mind known to the ancients as lesbian love there is no doubt grave reason to believe something of the kind indeed lucian affirms that while avarice prompted common pleasures tastes and feeling inclined the flute players toward their own sex on so repulsive a theme it is unnecessary to enlarge many flute players seem to have been susceptible of lasting affections in the remains we have seen the, of the erotic works of the greeks several names are mentioned as those of successful flute players whose gains were consumed by exacting lovers it does not appear that they often or ever married the most famous of all the flute players was lamia who after being the delight of alexandria and the king of ptolemy for some fifteen or twenty years was taken with the city by demetrius of macedon and raised to the rank of his mistress she was forty years of age at this time yet her skill was such that she ruled despotically her dissolute lover and left a memorable name in greek history the ancients asserted that she owed her name lamia which means a sort of vampire or bloodsucker to the most loathsome depravities her power was so great that when demetrius levied a tax of some two hundred fifty thousand on the city of athens he gave the whole to her to buy her soap as he said the athenians revenged themselves by saying that lamia's person must be very dirty since she needed so much soap to wash it but they soon found it to their interest to build a temple in her honor and deify her under the name of venus lamia end of section three recording by draconis the real basement dwellers podcast wheelwork for money dot net